If you enjoy the following podcast, please consider supporting the Stream Grace Network. Just visit streamgrace.com slash support. Hello and welcome to my digital world. Prepare yourself to dive deep, get real, get close, and find out entirely too much about people you likely don't even know. I am Jeremy Griffin, and these are my conversations. So grab a coffee and get comfortable. Here we go. You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. That is true. I can confirm you are listening to the Stream Grace Network. It's official. And uh, I'm excited about today's uh, conversations uh, or conversation. Um, but you know what? Before we get into it, I would just like to uh, thank today's sponsor. Today's sponsor is brought to you by delivery drivers everywhere. I mean, not directly, but uh, you know they brought me the equipment to make all this happen. So that's helpful. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so uh, today's guest is Travis Evans. He's the owner and operator of Can Help Wellness. Travis, how are you? No, oh, I'm good. I'm glad to be here. I am really glad that you're here. So, uh, I have a lot of a lot of motivation to have you uh, in this, but um, the instigating motivation was. I don't know, probably a year and a half ago or something. I don't know. It's been a little bit. Um, you came and did a live conversations with me. Yeah. Uh, and I enjoyed that thoroughly. It was good. It was super good. It was fun. So yeah. that was my uh, that was my plan. I was like, okay, I've got to have Travis on. <laughs> but also, in addition to that, you know, that was a 30-minute visit. And I think, uh, I think that there's more to the man. And we didn't really get – we talked about stuff. We had content. And today's content is about you. I think it's important that people get to know who you are um, and what motivates you, what drives you. Sounds good. Yeah. So first thing I'm going to ask you about um, is, uh, well, first, this is something you may not know. No, you don't know. You are my first guest in the new studio. Oh, I like it. It's nice. Thank you. Thank you. Got the bobbleheads. Yeah, I love it. Um, One day. We'll we'll post them. We'll take a selfie before we're gone, and so people will see them uh, if they look at the social post. Is, it, is this you? It is. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that is me when I had hair. Uh, instead of shaving it, my wife bought that for me for a birthday present, um, and so she can ask it questions. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so, um, something people don't know about us is we dress alike. That's true. That is true. <laughs> Both black t-shirts all the time. Um, and, uh, I, the thing is I would wear my hair and beard the way that you do if I had the patience to get it to where it is. Right. It's, it's kind of a pain. <laughs> it is, right? That's, I decided a long time ago, I just need to shave everything cause I don't have time to mess with it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, your first guest in the studio, tell me a little bit about your family, your immediate family. You're, I know you're married and you got kids. Tell me about that. So I got a wife, Lori, um, uh, two daughters in the house, um, uh, uh, Towery, who is uh, 14, and Isabella, who's 15. Uh, they go to Choctaw High School. Awesome. Um, and then the two boys are, are uh, out of the house, um, Tucker and Chris. Are, uh, I guess they're grown, and that's kind of weird to say, <laughs> right? It is it, weird, but, isn't it? But we're a blended family, so gotcha. his and hers, um, two and two, there and you go. Uh, none together. Uh, but are the young ones... Uh, hers or yours? Or, w- I mean, e- one of each. One of each. Oh, yeah. Okay. So each each has a boy and a girl. Um, Towery and Tucker are mine, hence the T names. And there then you go. Chris and Izzy are uh, are with uh, Lori, but the girls were two and three when Lori and I started dating. So they don't even remember not being sisters. So yeah. it's kind of cool. That is awesome, yeah. man. It's pretty sweet. I you know, and I I always think. I even hesitate to say whose are whose because I right. know that you don't, you take them. Yeah. They're yours, you know. It's cool when we um, at at Hera Church, they, nobody knows the difference. Like they ask all the time because um, they can't tell by being around us right. whose daughter belongs to who. So it's yeah. good. That is awesome, man. So, and I'm in the same boat. You know, I've got three boys, uh, but my two are grown. Right. And uh, I'll tell you what really stinks. I got one that's... Um, I haven't seen in months because he's been in the Air Force and been gone. And, uh, you know, we were recording this in 2020, uh, the year of reckoning, as I like to call it. And <laughs> um, because of the COVID situation right now, he is uh, he was in Monterey for 16 months, Monterey, California. So yeah. I couldn't I could go, 
um, and planned on going in March, and that's when the lockdown started happening. Right. And so uh, he finally he graduated his language school there, and now he's moved on to uh, to San Angelo, Texas. But that particular space uh, has basically locked everything down. So even though he's close enough for me to make a drive, I can't see him. Right on. So wow. that's exciting. Uh, the other one, on the other hand, comes over all the time. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and the nine-year-old still hasn't moved out. I'm not sure why. Yeah, uh, still, still needy. Exactly. Gosh, that kid. <laughs> but man, you know, they're they just. I don't know. It's weird. You find that? Do you find that um, raising kids that are significantly younger than your adult children, uh, and to me, significance like anywhere from eight to twelve years difference, um, that the environment's just different. Yeah. You know, I think it seems like uh, things have sped up over the last several years. And so like they're growing up in a different environment. Right. You know, like yeah. the, their needs are different. The things that, the, that they take in every day are different. You know, um, technology has changed everything at a really rapid pace. Right. And right. so the fact that we have these amazing computers at our hands that we can pull in information, good and bad from every direction and and without any discretion what you pull in, you know, so it's, it's changed quickly yeah. what it looks like to parent children in this day and age. Man, it really does. I even think it's, it's interesting to me when I w- watch uh, just the way society views kids. I mean, it just, it's a different approach. Um, I don't know. It's weird. Uh, I noticed it probably when uh, Jake, he's nine. I noticed it when he was probably three, four, somewhere in there, this idea that, um, that I didn't have my other boys that somehow this child should always do what he's told. I agree he should, but right. the expectation that he will yeah. seemed weird to me. Yeah. Like he's four, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, maybe there, I'm sure there are some four year olds that do, right. you know? Um, but most of the ones I've seen, I mean, I've been on a field trips with that kid. I know how right. kids are. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's, it's a pretty crazy thing. So, uh, Man, um, I really like to dive into the early life. So I, w- I want you to tell me a little bit about little Travis Evans. Little Travis Evans. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> my dad was a plumbing, heat, and air contractor, owned his own business. Um, local out in Choctaw, uh, eastern Oklahoma County area. Um, so I kind of grew up in that family business. My mom worked with my dad. The kitchen table was my dad's office. Um, it was his desk. Um, uh, so we didn't eat dinner at the kitchen table. Kind of that. We didn't actually eat dinner together a lot. Um, sometimes it was on the couch or on the TV. My dad worked a lot um, and, and provided well for our family, but he worked a lot. And um, so that kind of was, it made it where my mom and my sister and I spent most of our time together, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of uh learning what it looked like to uh, to grow up and 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 follow in my dad's footsteps in a sense of like everything about the way my family raised me was work ethic work ethic work ethic mm. and um <clears throat> you know like when we talk about identity um like that was that was my identity that was the identity that was pushed on to me was that like if you're a hard worker then like this is what it's about, right? And so learning to put in lots of hours and the wrestling with what it looked like to be a hard worker or not be a hard worker and the the good that comes from that and the bad that comes from, oh, I didn't work hard enough or I'm not I'm not meeting that expectation. And so that was uh that was kinda like the early part of my life was a lot around that. And so I found myself uh probably in fourth or fifth grade, uh I I found my way to wrestling. Mm. and um a sport that requires a lot of work ethic mm-hmm. and and i like i i was terrible in the beginning but i loved it and it was it was hard and it challenged me constantly and now you know i look back now and i'm like I'm like man it taught me so many lessons in life and and truly like in my walk with the lord too because like the reality is is that like wrestling's hard and right like you, and most people don't start wrestling winning yeah. Most people start getting their butts kicked. Sure. And so for me, it was it was many years of suffering and perseverance <laughs> to be able to find my way to when I was in eighth or ninth grade and I started winning and then I started winning quite a bit. Wow. And so um, like it was that was the place that I found like I wasn't 
I could work with my dad during the summer, but like that was, that was my place. Yeah. Right. Like that was the place that I could, um, use the traits that he had taught me, um, the skills that he had taught me, but like do it as my own person because I'm, I'm wired to go out and do my own thing. Like I struggle with following others to this day. It's a big battle of mine. Like, I think we've had these conversations yeah. before. Yeah. Like, um, and so like it was the place that I could play on my own. My dad didn't, wasn't into sports. And so it was my space, you yeah. know? So, uh, I wrestled for um, one, one year in oh, my, my seventh grade year. <laughs> it's funny you say that. Cause I remember, um, when you say hard work, man, that is, so true. Right. I remember this, all the exercises that we did and, you know, lot, just sweating out everything, just yeah. total heat, carrying guys that were above your weight class on your shoulders, like the whole bit. But I always tell people I, uh, I won two matches, uh, my first year. I wish somebody had told me what you just said, right. honestly, cause I, I, nobody ever told me my expectation was, I mean, at some point I'm going to win. Right? right. Cause there's another guy like me on the other side at some point. <laughs> But I did. I won two matches, uh, both from forfeit because they didn't make right. weight. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I'll take it. I'll take those wins. Yeah, yeah you got to celebrate the wins. For right. Sure. <laughs> you, you got to. So, yeah, it's just funny thinking about that. Uh, I didn't know that we had that in common. Right. But I, but I stopped. I did it one year and that was it. I was like, well, yeah, yeah. I got I, you know, I got somewhat buff from the process and right. I thought, well, that's good enough for me. I'll do that. <laughs> Well, I can see that. I can see the uh, that's giving you that space. Um, how would you describe yourself as as a kid, like in terms of personality and stuff? Um, chasing everything to fill a void. Mm. Like my, you know, my my gifting is um, like the Lord has made me as a go person. Um, you know, we would we would say an apest, an apostle type evangelist. You know, I like to talk. Um, I like to go. I like to meet new people. I'm always wanting to do different things, and I kind of want to be out on the front edge of it. And so, um, in that though, um, like the like the bad side of that, or the or the immature side of that is, is that like I was constantly chasing something to fill the void. So wrestling was my 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 foundation of it. Mm-hmm. But relationships, cars, like you name it, anything I could get my hands on that was the next new thing. And then when I got the next new thing, kind of like when we're talking about kids, like kids today, right? Like, right. You, like the next new thing. And then when I got that, I was like, well, that didn't, that didn't fill the void that I'm trying to fill. Mm. And so it was on to the next new thing. And that didn't matter if it was a girlfriend or if it was, you know, what wrestling was kind of the only constant and everything else came and went. Mm-hmm. I rode bulls. I, a high school rodeo. Like I did so many different things. I raced everything I could get my hands on. I was into cars but all those things were just trying to fill this void that I didn't get filled till way later. Yeah. So, uh, and you may have said this and I missed it, but where did you grow up? What and I went to Choctaw. It was Choctaw. Yeah. That's right. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. there, man, I was born in Oklahoma city and then uh, we moved to Choctaw in 1979 when I was in second grade. So okay. I grew up in the Choctaw school districts. Wow. That's awesome. Graduated from Choctaw. Yeah. I didn't get the Choctaw school districts till uh 10th grade year, but my, all my kids have gone through it pretty much from the beginning. And then, yeah, my wife was in it for pretty much as long as she can remember. Right. So, you know, I think too, and I've got some other guests coming on here in the next couple of weeks um, that uh, grew up in small town. I wouldn't, uh, Choctaw was small town, especially in the seventies. Right. Um, but it's close to Oklahoma city. So yeah. it's, it's got that feel. Um, but did you find, uh, did you find that to be uh a distraction for you or uh, that it was a small, like, did you long to go do other things? Like being the guy that's the go guy, did you look at being in Choctaw going, eh, this isn't good enough for me? I, I didn't feel like it was a hindrance to me. Um, I thought it was just a great place to to take off from. Gotcha, yeah. <laughs> makes sense. You know, um, so we, I found myself in my, in my younger years when I was chasing all kinds of things, I found myself going down into downtown Oklahoma City and, finding trouble right you know like but it was but it was good to go you know to go back to the safe space of Choctaw right I mean you know Choctaw is not huge but I mean we're we're a 6a school now we were 5a then and um I graduated with 333 so it's not I mean it's not a small school by any stretch right right? but like it had that small town feel always Mm -hmm. right and so 
Um, I think the like when I was younger, the Choctaw was like ten thousand people. I don't have any idea what it is now, but um, yeah, I don't either. I it's think quite a few mi- it's square miles. It's it's quite a bit as far as the district goes. Mm-hmm. But but um, yeah, it, uh, it it didn't it didn't. I never. I don't know that I've ever thought a lot of things hindered me. I guess right. I just <laughs> I can see that. It was like, oh no, there's there's nothing getting in my way. <laughs> it's like uh when you talk to a uh pro coach, like I've did some work where um I was in the media interviewing uh, NBA coaches and players. Right. And <laughs> you know, they're, I don't know if they're taught this, trained this, or if it's just innate in all of them, but they they don't ever have problems with anything. Yeah. There's al- it's always a uh, it's not even a challenge. Like they're afraid to use that word. I feel like they're yeah. like, you know, make no excuses. Next man up. Blah blah blah. <laughs> You're like, okay, yeah. well, fair enough. You Those know? are just mountains, right? It was, exactly. It's like it's oh, another thing a, to conquer. No, it's just another thing to conquer. So that's something that I, I find interesting <laughs> too. You know, being that guy and you're always chasing something. Do you? Uh, what happens when you now, as an adult, when you obtain? What do you find yourself struggling with? And, and I'm asking this question even just for my own sake. I think. I used to word things like this. I used to say, once I get to a certain point with something, I get bored with it. Well, really what it is, once I've hit this imaginary goal, sometimes it's not even a one you know, but you hit this goal and now you're like, uh, I mean, this is it. There's nowhere else I can go from here. I need to do something else. Right. Man, I, I think that's uh, like until I really found this relationship with the Lord, mm-hmm. like I, I was always chasing the next thing. Like it was literally my goals were I set goals I accomplished them, and then it was like, okay, I'm bored with that. Next, right? And 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 it was, and it didn't matter if it was a good goal or a bad goal, or if it if it if it the outcome of it was really good and sweet and good for all my family. It, like none of that mattered. It was just like, okay, done, mm-hmm. check, off to the next thing. And um, and so like I think part of that is is like understanding my purpose now. You know, mm-hmm. has helped me to uh, to do the endurance race more than. <laughs> And so like my goals are different, you know, and the things that drive me are different. Um, the heart behind it's totally different now, but, but I think, uh, in general, like until I found the Lord, like truly found the Lord and found like this purpose written on my heart that he had for me, I was all over the board mm-hmm. and, and I still, um, like shiny things are, are shiny and, and I'm like, it's being in business for myself. You know, I constantly am in that battle. We're going like, Okay, am I supposed to be doing something new? Am I supposed to be? I, I create products. I have a little lab that's health department approved, and I make all these products with my own hands. And I love creating things. And the Lord made me to be wired me that way to create with these hands, right? And so, I'm constantly in that space, going like having to test and approve. Like, is this something that He wants me to create, or is this something that I just want to create because I want to do something different today, right? You know. And so I'm I still wrestle that out every day. I think it's awesome that you consult. That's that's the thing. Yeah. So many people don't do. Yeah. They just go do their thing. Um, and I think that's that's admirable that you take the time and say, "Hey, Lord, is this is this your thing?" Well, I didn't learn that um, of my own will. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. He taught me that through um through rebuke and teaching me as a child. Yeah. So that makes sense. (laughs) So, so tell me a little bit about that. You know, we talked about that at the beginning, owner operator of can help wellness. So when did that, uh, when did you start can help? So, um, you know, like, I think we talked a little bit about it from stage. Like it's part of my story. Um, um, like I, uh, in the beginning of 17, I'd had four spine surgeries. I was addicted to opiates. Um, um, and, uh, Chris Moicks invited me into a discipling relationship um, the week that, uh, that I was getting ready to go into that relationship, I had been trying to get off of opiates for years. I, that stretch, I think I was on them about eight years. So significant length of time, um, and, uh, trying to get off of opiates, um, come about, uh, finding CBD products. That Mm -hmm. was a lot that would, the Lord kind of put that into my life to try to help me with that. And then right when I accepted into covenant with Chris Moicks to walk with him, the Lord was like, okay, like here's your first come and die. Like you need to lay these down, mm-hmm. and so uh, so got rid of the opiates. Um, March fourth of seventeen. F- back up just a little bit. About the middle of January, somewhere in the middle of January of seventeen. Um, after uh, I had met Moiks for the first time, I told my wife, "I'm like I'm going to get off of opiates, and we're going to start this company." And the Lord told me it's can help. C A N N dash H E L P. And um. And she was like, one, I've heard this story before. You're not getting off, you know, 
mm-hmm. smiled and said yes. And yeah, hey, that's great, yeah, honey. Right? Yeah. Like, like I've heard this a thousand times. And um, and then two, she said, okay, I'll start the company, but I'm doing it in my mind and my mom's name, not yours, because. Mm. You're not good with anything. You kill, steal, and destroy everything that you touch, right? <laughs> like she didn't say that with her words, but like that was where I was at. Yeah. And so she started it um, the second or third week in January, went down with the Secretary of State and registered it and uh, and started the company. So it was born in that, in that time frame. Um, uh, I was working as an aerospace engineer for the government uh, mm. as a structures engineer on the B-52. And, uh, and then... My um, started walking with Moix in about um, April of seventeen. My dad got sick. Um, he had he had been sick off and on, had health issues, um, issues with his back, several back surgeries. But like he got he had mesothelioma. We didn't know it at the time that it was from asbestos exposure, and it was mesothelioma. But like it came on quick. Wow. And um, within about three or four weeks, he went from, you know, getting sick, having to go get some fluid drained off his lungs to passing away. Mm. And so, um, in that time frame, like I wrestled with what am I, this is, this is the me, right? Like the realness of it. Like I wrestled with like, I don't want to be an engineer anymore. Mm-hmm. Like my heart is not for this one. I got this cool new heart for people that I didn't have, like in a way, like people were always just a tool for me to get what I wanted to achieve whatever goal that I had, right? And so, like, I had this cool new tender heart for people, this heart of flesh, and uh, and I had this new thing, this tool that the Lord had given me to to heal me, to help heal me, right? As mm-hmm. a as a, a vessel for that, and to come alongside me. And I'm like, I can I can help people with pain. I can help them get off of opiates. And, uh, and I can do this thing that's written on my heart now, which is to love the Lord's people. And so he gave me this verse. I actually, I, uh, I led my dad's funeral, which mm. my family said, you cannot do that. You, you're a ball baby anyhow. And so there's no way that's going to happen. And I said, well, the Lord's told me I'm going to do it. And so he gave me this first John three eighteen verse, mm. dear children, love not in words and speech, but in actions and truth. So I spoke about how, like my dad walked that out, um, not in like not in the way of talking about his faith all the time, but like he walked it out, right? Like he was always a shepherd kind of guy. And so the Lord had wrote that on my heart. And I'm like, like, this is, this is the verse for can help. Like it is love and actions and truth. And so we, I left the government on a whim (laughs) with a three day notice. Wow. Took me three days to get out. Um, and then December 1st to 17, we opened our retail location where we're at now. And, uh, and like the Lord's had his hand in it the whole time. It's cool. We get to like, I had a guy come in yesterday. It was the craziest thing. He hadn't been in since 2019. Um, an older gentleman, probably 60s, 70s. Um, and so he bought some product. And then he said, it's been a while since I've been in. I said, yeah, it's it's been a while. And he he said, um, can you can you pray for my wife? Like she's mm-hmm. having open heart surgery next week and or a bypass next week. And I said, sure, like. I'm the kind of guy that you say, people say, well, will you pray for me? Will you add me to your prayers list? I'm like, there's no better time than right, right now. now. Sure. Yeah. So like, I'm, I'm like, let's pray. And he, and so we pray, we pray for her. And then he says, I don't know if you remember or not, but the first time I met you, you prayed for me and I was walking into something and the Lord healed me in that. Mm. And so like the Lord's telling me like, like he's coming back to here because of, because of me, because you're praying for these people, because of the way you're walking out this actions and truth thing. And so. It's cool. That's I get to, awesome. It's the space I get to play in. And right. It's the Lord's favor on me. Do you guys have a website? Yes. Do you sell product through the website? Yes. Uh, what's the website? www.cancann-help.com. So for those of you who are listening, man, um, if nothing else, check out the website. But obviously you, you hear Travis's heart here. And this is, a, this is one of the reasons I wanted to have you on, man, is because Man, I know you, yeah. right? I know you in my guts. I know, I know who you are, and um, so many people just drive by, yeah. right? They don't know what's up, and I think um, to to really understand that heart that drives you, that's a big deal. Yeah. That's a big deal. It's cool. It's a fun space. We literally we have couches, you know, and we have a lot more good conversations. Right. Like we talked. You said you've been in there. Yeah, like you've been to sit on the couch and talked with us, and so. Like it's just a cool space that I get to play. Yeah. The the products are are not the heart of it. Right. That's the secondary or tertiary yeah. thing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. I love that about uh life. You know, the things that I'm realizing I worked in a in the radio industry for a few years and you know, for me I thought it was 
you know, that was my point working in the radio industry. Right. And, um, I realized that that was not remotely my point. Um, and while I was there, I was in charge of, uh, the digital products for, uh, six radio stations. So Facebook and all that, plus their websites. And, um, but pretty much every morning I had this one guy come sit in my office. He worked for the networks. He'd come in, he'd start talking and, uh, we just visited for a little bit, you know, I enjoyed yeah. our conversations. Then, then a few minutes later, another guy would filter in and he'd leave. And next thing you know, I realized I've got, you know, a steady stream of folks coming in the yeah. office and, uh, you know, realize that that's what you have. You, the biggest thing that any person has to offer is themselves. Yeah. And I really, that's, what's great about, uh, about what you're doing. And I think even just, uh, what I'm hoping we can do through these conversations podcasts is, is uh, give ourselves to others and, and create a path for that. Yeah, for sure. So it's fantastic. <laughs> um, man, I had something else I was going to ask you that I forgot to write. Oh yes, there it is. That's why I write stuff down. Right. Cause I, I, I want to <laughs> hear see, what you're saying. I got notes too. <laughs> I'm not taking as many as you, but well, and they're just keywords, but this one, I, for those who don't know, cause you used a phrase and I, I know what it means, but I want you right. to explain it. Um, you said it was your first come and die right. when you were getting with Chris. Um, so talk about that. Yeah, just like a, um, you know, just a picture of like laying something down to the Lord, like dying of my flesh mm-hmm. and walking in the spirit. And so like, you know, um, like like we know, like everything the Lord asks of us is good for us, right? And so at the time, like I, this was pretty obvious that I was addicted to the opiates and that and that it was be good for me to get off of them. Like I wanted those same things. Like sometimes he asks things of us that we don't necessarily want to give up. But like the cool part is, is like when the Lord asks you to lay something at, his, at the foot of the cross, right? He also gives you like the power to be able to walk that out, right? Like it's cool. It was actually the word I was on this morning. It's... um. It's this authority that's delegated, right? Like that delegated power that he that he puts into us. And so like he gave me the ability to walk that out. It built a huge pillar in me, like a pillar of faith, like is what we would call it. But like it it, it let me know like he truly is who he says he is. Like he is king of the universe and he does walk in full dominion. Yeah, we actually believe yeah, that. Like it's not I, things yeah, we say. It's not just words, <laughs> right. right? Like I, I gave up something like at the time. For people that are listening, like um, I was on 35 micrograms of fentanyl and 100 milligrams of immediate release oxycodone. Hmm. If you don't know how much that is, like it's enough to kill an elephant. Um, And it was prescribed by my pain management doctor. It's a significant amount of opiates. Um, I got on fentanyl when I was 40 years old, Hmm. 41 years old. Um, So I'm I'm 47 now. I got on fentanyl when I was 41. Like most people don't, um, like you don't ever get off of fentanyl. Right. And yeah. so like the like it's they give a lot of people fentanyl that are terminal. Right. And and so like I like the expectation I was going to be on this for the rest of my life. And so for me to get off of it, even my like the, the doctors and the nurses that I worked with for years, they were like, how did you do this? Mm. Like the Lord did that. Like I didn't do it. Right. Like I I tried a thousand times on my own to yeah. no avail. And then the Lord comes in and says, you're going to lay these down. I submitted to that and he gave me the authority, the power to walk through it. And so <laughs> here we are. That's amazing, yeah. man. Yeah. I mean, you know, okay. So this is something too. Um, I, I'm, I know that there are people, uh, we'll call them people who are, have faith in the Lord who are against what your business does. Right. What do you say to those folks? Man, I, I like, that's fair. Um, because I think, you know, the reality is, is that like, what's the word say? Like, um, all things are permissible, but not everything's good for you. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we can misuse everything. And, and the truth is, is like, this is just, this is a story that I tell a lot. Like as humans, we have a tendency to screw up everything. Yeah. Like the Lord takes something and, and it's perfect just the way it is. And then we get our hands on it and go, we're going to make this better. Right. And where does it go? It goes 180 degrees the other way. Right. And so... Like I, I, I say to people all the time, like the Lord made the plant and he knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you see people that are, uh, waving the flag for cannabis across the country, always want to use the certain verses. Like the reality is, is like he made this plant. It works really, really well with our body in a crazy way that the, even the scientists don't fully understand yet. They're still trying to get their hands around that. So like the way we do it, um, 
the plant naturally has no psychoactive properties. I don't know if people know that or not, mm. but like you take this plant out of the ground, put it in a food processor, eat it, chew it up. You have to chemically alter it to have any kind of psychoactive properties. Wow. Most of the time, the psychoactive properties are the things that people are against, mm-hmm. right? And so like I'm not I'm not fully against it or for that. I'm just saying like this is the way the plant's made. And so like if you take the plant in its natural state, the the THC that's the psychoactive part is in the acid form. It doesn't cross the blood brain barrier. It, has, it causes no psychoactivity, and so you can't get you can't get high off of that plant unless you chemically alter it. So, in in our business, we um, we have most of our products have zero THC in them, so there's no psychoactive. Um, there's a couple of products that have the, the acid form, still no psychoactive. I don't deal in the medical. Um, I just, it's just not a space the Lord took me to, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but we see people all the time that, um, like they're literally being able to hear, hear the Lord clear because they're not on all these pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. They're finding, they're finding their health back. Right. Like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not against the pharmaceutical industry, but like it took a lot of years off of me. Right? Sure. And yeah. Like, like if the word would say like the things that the locust has eaten, like the Lord is, is restoring, like it's, it's what's played out in my life. And so, so um, like it, it provides an opportunity for us in our space to like meet somebody at a physical need and then have the opportunity, you know, to, to meet them on a spiritual level as well. And so feed them on a spiritual level as well. So I think the plant has like tons and tons of benefits to it. Um, it's like a lot of people would say it's a superfood. Yeah, it it actually is way better ingested than it is. Like I think probably the least effective way of using the plant is smoking it. (laughs) (laughs) Right, you know, but um, but anyhow, it's it like the plant. The Lord made it, and He knows what He's doing, and it works stinking well. Yeah. So I don't know if that answered the question. No, it does, and and I think that's the thing. I this is my hope. You know, most of the time, most of the time you're going to encounter that. You're going to encounter it with a preconceived notion already. Yeah. Um. We don't have that here. I, yeah. You know, I want to give you that space to talk about it because I think when people listen to it, I uh, I don't think I've ever used a CBD product personally, right. but I've known a lot of people who have, and it has been awesome for them. Yeah. You know, and so um, I'm in no way opposed to it for yeah. all the reasons you said, you know. Yeah. I remember posing this question years ago. I was working at a church and I was on staff and this was, a, this was before CBD shops existed. Right. Um, and I said, you know, what would we do as a church if all of a sudden it was legal, marijuana was just legalized 100%? Um, because cause where's the where's the biblical stance right. against it? Right. And that was the case I made. Like, yeah. God made it. Like, yeah. And so, um, you know, the it was more of a rhetorical, but my whole point was that uh, it's like with alcohol, you know, yeah. and, and to your point, you know, abuse is abuse. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it's like. We're doing this podcast. If I did nothing but podcast 24 seven, that would not be healthy for me. Yeah. And, I, you know, I, can I use, I want to tell you this example cause I use this a lot. So, um, so one morning I was headed into the store and, uh, it's about a 15 or 20 minute drive from our house to the store. So I'm headed into the store and man, I wanted a water burger, uh, biscuit really bad <laughs> like truth right and so um i'm like i'm gonna go get a biscuit like there's nothing inherently sinful about me getting a waterburger biscuit right yeah but the lord was like you need to get to the store mm. and i was like but i really want a waterburger biscuit and the lord's like you need to get to the store so what did i do like i i was obedient i went straight to the store well, I pull in and there's a guy standing there at the door waiting on me. Right. Mm. And we had a good conversation. Like he needed to hear, like he needed to hear, he needed to hear what the Lord had to use me for. Right. Like he needed to hear the words that I had. Right. Yeah. Like that would have been sin. If, mm. if I had said no to the voice of the Lord, like we know this, we walk out obedience to his voice. Right. Like, so it doesn't like the thing isn't necessarily what this, this lie that's in your right hand. Like that's not necessarily the sin. The sin is like whether the Lord tells you to put it down or not put it down. Right. right? And so, I mean, I think, love that. You know, I don't know. That's, that's the example I use because, you know, everybody thinks, well, there's nothing sinful about a bacon, egg and cheese biscuit. Well, there's not unless the Lord tells you don't do that. Exactly. And then it, it's direct disobedience. Right. Right. And that's the bottom line. <laughs> 
I mean, you Sorry. obedience is that's it. That's yep. the key to it all, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me a little bit about this. I uh, one of my questions I have here is what drives you, and I already know the answer to that, and mm-hmm. I think everyone's figuring that out. And, right. we'll, and we'll probably drive dive into some more of that uh, indirectly. But I would like to know what are what are some of your uncompromisables in terms of. Um, well, I'll just leave it at that. What are some of your uncompromisables? Uncompromisables. Hmm. That's an interesting question. Um, I'm I'm learning that now, what that is and what it's not. You know, over the last three years, um, I'm I'm building these foundational truths in me, mm-hmm. these basic precepts of the Lord, right? And so, like one of one of them is is that like I'm. Like if the Lord says no, like I'm, I try with everything that I have to walk out that right, and uh, and if the Lord tells me, like this is the direction to go, even if it looks like it's the fire and there's everything gonna burn me, yeah, like I try to step into that. Um, I don't know that. Um, I don't know that I that I know the that I fully know the answer to that. Like I think I I think the like I try to do what the Word says and like test approve His will. Mm-hmm. Um, so. You know, it's it's pretty obvious by listening to me. Like, but I I sit with the Lord every morning, and it's cool because like we hear the we hear the Lord's prayer say like Give me today my daily bread, right? Like, like He gives me what I need for that day, and so I'd say it's uncompromisable that I'm not going to sit with Him every day because I know like if I try to go do this on my own, like I have forty something years of history of experience knowing exactly what the outcome is. I've done it over and over and created death and destruction. Mm. And so I know that like apart from him, there's nothing for me there. I've already tied I've tried it all. Like if the word would say like send them out to chase after their sin, like I'm like, I did all of that. Like yeah. I everything that you can imagine I tried it's it seems anyhow um to fill the void that only the lord could fill and so like i, I think this like a foundation for what i do every day is get up and sit with him and then say like all right where where do you want me today you mm-hmm. know what what am i supposed to and sometimes it gives me stuff and it makes no sense at all yeah and i just go okay i guess i'm going to hold on to this until you show me what that means yeah so that's good well and and so i would i would say that in the word obedience it's come up a number of times already yeah. and and, uh, you know, I think too, it's good, you know, I'm discovering my uncompromisables, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, there's a, a phrase and, uh, mm-hmm. listeners can look this up, but it's called cognitive distortions, I believe. Uh, and when you look it up, you'll find out if what I'm saying is true, but <laughs> essentially there's, uh, there's some realities that happen when, when something goes against a core value or an uncompromisable for you, you may not even be able to articulate why it's not you're right. not doing it or what it's, it's bad. You just know you're not going to have that. Right. You know what I mean? And so, um, I know for, for me, some of mine are, are, uh, I think character is massive in yeah. that. Like, and, and specifically if I'm going to say it, I want to walk it. I want to live it. it. Yeah. I was thinking that exactly as you were saying it, I'm like walking out what I say, like let my yes be yes. My yeah. no be no. And I think it's hard. <clears throat> That's hard. in today, and when I say it's hard, um, I, I find it easy because again, the cognitive distortion, meaning like yeah. anything that's apart from that, I'm, I know right away. Right. But for so many people, um, you know, the fear of retribution, fear of the consequence of whatever happens gets in the way of that. And I, I, I just absolutely feel for that, you know, for people who have to walk in that cause yeah. it's tough, Yeah. but man, it's, um, but again, you know, for me, the discovery was realizing, and this doesn't resonate with me when I do this action, I just, it's terrible, yeah. you know? So yeah. I think it's healthy, uh, to not know what they are, but I also think they refine yeah. over time. Well, and it's like, I think we talked about it a little bit before we jumped on here. Um, like there was a point where I had very little discernment, you know, I was a spiritual infant is what we would say. Right. And Mm so as I'm maturing, like my discernment is there. And so like what you're saying, like you can, like there's like, there's those things that come on. You're like, Nope. Like I don't, I can't tell you why, except for no. Yeah. Like not doing that, not going to let that happen. Right. And you know, be, being a guy that, that does what he says he's going to do and that, and that walks like, that doesn't stand on, you know, like I teach from stage at Heritage Church and like and I, I sit in this couch and I, I lead tons of people. 
like not being a guy that says, oh, here's what you should do, and then goes and does 180 degrees the opposite. Like, I, I try hard to, to be the guy that does what he says he's going to do, and that, and that, like, when I speak it for somebody else, that, like, I've first tried to own it for myself, you yeah. know? And I think that's a, I think that probably is a, a staple for me, and one that the Lord continues to press into me on. Like, if, if I use a verse <laughs> for somebody, I probably have... I've probably broke it down. I've probably sat in it and I probably at least at some capacity own it for myself because I'm not like it, it changes the way you give the word away when you own it for yourself because some of these words are super heavy yeah, right? and they can cut and you're real gentle with them when they've cut you. <laughs> when the, when you haven't sat in it, you can sling them around a whole lot different. And That's so it's true. I think we have to be careful with that. That's awesome, man. Good heart. Good heart, man. I love that. So um, this is a question that I ask a lot of times. And uh, for most of the folks that I have on, it's a hard it's a hard question because um, it's about regret. And uh, for most of the guests that I've had, regret's not a factor because they see the positive and the negative things that have happened. But with that said, if there was something in your life that you could, you would say, you know, I regret this or, or more to the point, maybe you'd handle it differently. Can you tell, tell our listeners a little bit about what that, that thing would be? Well, so I think this is pretty easy for me. So, cause I've had to, have had to wrestle this out. Um, like I, I walk close to the Lord now and, uh, and, and divorce is a, is a real thing. Right. And like the word is clear about it. And so having to, um, like what it looks like to have a blended family um, means that you had to have been divorced. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and, and I created some death and destruction in that. Now, like the cool thing is, is the Lord has redeemed that. And like, I have a really, really good relationship with my ex-wife. That's awesome. Um, um, like we, like my wife and I both like, and, and with my, um, with Lori's ex-husband as well, we all have a really good relationships. Um, but that's, that's over time and the Lord has done that. Right. But like, that's the, that's the thing is that like, um, not maybe regrets, not the best word, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's that thing that I'm like, Oh man, like I, if I had known now, you know, then what I know now, like if I had been a different person and I, you don't control any of that. And the Lord has used every bit of it to, to grow me and build me into it's, it's a word that I go by all the time. It's Genesis fifty twenty. The things that were meant to destroy me, the Lord is using for good to do what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Mm. Like it's, it's the things that He taught me in that in those tough times, right? That made me who I am today. But I wouldn't like I wouldn't want my kids to have gone through that. I mean, you know, right. I would, I would, I would, I would want to have been um, more kind to my ex-wife, you know, mm-hmm. like, and I try to, I try to walk that out now in kindness and, and that. Right. But like, I didn't, I didn't want to create all that destruction. Like, yeah, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't really in my heart to do all that. Right. But right. It, it is what it is. And well, and I, you know, I think um, I've had this conversation with different leaders, but there is uh, especially when you are uh, uh, like senior pastors at churches or any, anybody that works in a church or is any kind of leadership where morality is a is a baseline, right? Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily even have to be at a church, but um, there is a pride that's attached to that, and and it's weird because some of the folks that I've known in leadership that have kind of, I would argue, some of the most humble uh, mentalities are guys who've been who've had major moral failures in their life, right? And I've often said I don't think it's God's plan that we have moral failures, but right. But it's also not his plan that we have pride for not having moral failures, yeah. you know? And so I think that that process, even if it's our own, you know, sometimes it doesn't have to necessarily even be something we can classify in terms of like some scriptural element of sin. Like we can go well, yeah. right here. So, but it's just our own, to your point, you know, earlier, being in disobedience yeah. and the end result of that can have the same kind of effect. It's it's the... um as I, as I wrestled through that some, cause I've had to wrestle through that, um, what it looks like to be divorced and you know, like it comes, it's, it's pretty clear in the word and it comes right up into your face when you look at it in the word as a mirror. But like when I look at Paul saying like, oh, sinners, I'm the worst, right? Like he was a blasphemy and a persecutor. Yeah. Like, um, so I, I look at that and I'm like, like Paul, like a guy who wrote so much of what we stand on, um, 
like he he was killing Christians, right? Yeah. Like, and so, um, so the Lord is the Redeemer, right? And He has His grace is sufficient. So yeah. I have to I have to walk in that grace. Yeah, for sure. I always <laughs> think of David too. I think you know we qualify our sins. We we look oh, at yeah. him and we say, well, this one's bad and this one's not as bad or whatever. Yeah. And and I always like to look at David because. Uh, you know, David uh, had a man killed. David committed adultery. Yeah. Uh, and David did a bunch of things. Yeah. But he didn't lose what his calling was. He, he didn't lose uh, the kingdom yeah. until he counted it, until yeah. he went and took a census and God told him not to, until yeah. he was in that moment of disobedience where he's like, no, I'm going to find out how big my kingdom is. Yeah. And that at the core is pride. And I remember hearing a, uh, Andy Stanley years ago uh talk about pride and he said it was at a, a conference and he said for those of you who are in pride you will not hear a thing i say today yeah for those of you who, who uh, are in that place i'm sorry but it's too late for you and your odds are pretty good that you're just going to hit rock bottom before you figure it out yeah. <laughs> and it's true it is true it's so true i think it's so important too as as uh uh you know we have fellowship with one another that we keep each other in that space and remind yeah. each other um for for our sake, for to make sure that we don't yeah. land in that place. You That's know? it. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, like who are spiritually aware that apart from the Lord, they have nothing, right? Right. Theirs is the kingdom. Right. And so that's that's it, man. Keep our sin ever before us. Like I'm still a sinner <laughs> every day, right? Walking in the grace. And so right. I continue to try to walk it out. And some days I do better than others. Sure, man. <laughs> so Let's uh, let's talk about something here, something good and positive. <laughs> what would you say is one of your like? And when you, you can put put the time frame on this however you want. But what is one of the biggest wins that you've had in your life that you look back and and you look and go, man, that was awesome. I'm glad this is a thing that happened with me. Man, that's that's like super easy for me. Um, it's the it's the third big big pillar of faith that the Lord has built in me, and it's um, a man named Justin Gentry. It's the fact that, like, when I laid my life down, um, I got to see this guy transform in a way that um, that's changed everything around him. It's changed his entire family line. Like, it's changed everything. And so it's it's probably weird to say it's a, that it's a person they're seeing somebody move like that. But, man, it's it changed. It, like, it reinforced or it solidified this thing about pouring my life into people um, when I seen him go from death to life, um, just like I, just like the Lord had done with me, and it, it, like it's a, it's a huge, huge pillar for me, and it's a, it's a big thing that I stand on all the time. When the enemy comes loud in my ear and trying to attack me, I'm like, no, mm. like I know this thing, right? And so, it's seeing, it's seeing life transform. It's, mm. it's, it's the piece that I, um, that gets me super fired up. Right. <laughs> and that leads me to the question we talked about a little bit when I, I want to talk about what drives you now. I, yeah. And I think in, in that, let's cover some of the pillars you're talking about and yeah. then, and then end result, right. end result. So, um, like the, like say some of the pillars, like, um, well, one was like the Lord saying, lay down the opiates. Right. So I, I have, um, the Lord saying, lay down the opiates. I did that. Right. Um, and then the, um, there was a time in 2017, so my wife hadn't made Jesus Lord yet, and uh, in the beginning of that, um, when I first started really getting attached to the vine, like it was, it, our our marriage got difficult for a little bit, and uh, part of that was because I was trying to lord it over her and mm-hmm. drive her to Jesus or drag her kicking and screaming. So like, if you can hear me in this, like you can't drag anybody kicking and screaming to Jesus, right? Right. And so I had to lay that down at, at the Lord's feet, right, and uh, and allow her to come to Him on on her own. And so seeing that transformation happen and seeing her come to Jesus, like that was super huge for me. Another one was Justin. That was so. Those were two and two in twenty seventeen. Justin in twenty eighteen. In the beginning of twenty eighteen, and then um, in twenty nineteen, my my nineteen year old son, or eighteen, and he'll be nineteen next month. My nineteen year old son, Tucker. Um, he made Jesus Lord, and so like that was huge for me. And the, and I've I've had other things, but like these are ones that like I literally was holding it as tight as I could with my hands, um, and I couldn't do it. And when I laid it down with the Lord, He did it, mm-hmm. and so they changed everything in me, you know. And so I've 
with my girls, I've been a little less heavy handed and tight handed with that, you know, but, but, um, it's me learning his authority and his dominion. So, yeah. So when, when we talk about what drives you and that end result, would you say, um, well, I won't put words in your mouth. What, what, what is it that you're hoping for in every day? Then you wake up and you're following Lord. What, what do you hope the end result is? Man, I, I want to see people walk in the freedom that I've been able to taste. Um, I think that's the truth of it. Um, so I didn't grow up in the church. We didn't talk about that much, but I didn't grow up in the church at all. Um, and so like, I don't, I have no picture of what that's supposed to look like. I mean, I went to church some, but like, I have no picture of what that looks like or doesn't look like the, the King, the, the Lord that I know has tons of power and he brings peace and life. Right. And so, what I know is that like, if I can help someone get a taste of that to meet this, this King that I know that they're going to find peace in life. Right. Is it going to make things easy? No. Right. That's (laughs) a bill of goods we sell. Do not be fooled. (laughs) Like it does not make things easy. Right. Does that mean everything's going to be roses? No, it's not the way it is. Right. But like, man, it's the, it's the, I can walk through fire and not get burned. Like, and, and so for me, that's, tells me clearly you're going to walk through fire. It's going to suck, but the Lord's going to have your hand the whole way. And so like, I just want them to get a taste of, of what I've seen. And sometimes that's as simple as like some, for someone that doesn't know Jesus at all, it's as simple as them coming into my store and, uh, and, and me giving them some product, a sample of some product and then coming back the next day saying, man, I got relief. Like I got a night's sleep for the first time. Mm. And I'm like, praise the Lord for that. Yeah. Right. And, and who knows what that does, right? But like, I know who was in control of it, and maybe they get a taste of it. And if they get just a teeny bit of freedom, right, a teeny bit of peace, when in this t- game time, like what's going on right now with COVID and all this, like people will come in and they're like, they got a mask on, they're scared to death, their anxiety's through the roof, they're having panic attacks, right? And I'm going like, oh, if I could just let them, like, if they could just taste this Jesus that I know, right? And a lot of times they'll find peace. Like I'll pray for them. We, we write scripture on bags every, mm-hmm. every day. Lori writes handwritten scripture on bags, whatever the Lord puts on her. And so they, you know, the, the word doesn't return void. Like it goes out like it's supposed to. And people will call and go, man, you prayed for me yesterday. And like, I have, I'm, I, my anxiety is down today. Or they'll call and just check on us, listen to us, talk to us on the phone. Mm-hmm. And you can tell, like, they're wanting to know, like, if Travis and Lori are okay, if they got peace, then it's okay for me to continue to go through this chaos that's going on. And so, man, I just want them to taste what I've tasted. That's awesome. That's good, man. So, uh, and we're going to be wrapping up here soon, but I want to ask you this. Um, I'm going to ask you about people who've had significant impact in your life. And uh, I want you to talk about somebody when you were younger uh, and then somebody in your adult life who has really impacted you that you look back at and maybe they said something or did something that's really made a difference. Mm, let's see. <clears throat> so, um, I, I think my younger life, like it would, it would probably, like I have a few different people. I mean, obviously my dad, but like apart from, apart from my dad, um, like, uh, Benny Coleman, uh, he's still the high school wrestling coach at Choctaw. Um, uh, he, I met Benny when I was in eighth grade, um, significant part of my life, um, in that, in, in the younger years also like, uh, still been a, a piece of my life throughout the years. Um, I left home, came back in, uh, 2009 and, uh, right back in hanging out with Benny and being in the wrestling room and coaching little league. So like he, he, uh, he taught me, he taught me where my, um, limit where I thought my limit was and what I could push past. Um, he had, he taught me things in the room that, um, are, are traits that I use to walk through life. Like now I know it to be James one, like these, this persevering thing, but I had no, like I had no biblical concepts for it, but it was, it was perseverance, right? He taught me how to persevere and how, how when I thought I was going to die, I really wasn't like, you'll pass out before you die. I don't even know if that's true or not, but but I never died, obviously. Right. Right. um, And I passed out maybe a handful of times in the room. So he taught me that like the, sometimes those limits that I thought were there really really weren't there. Like I'd made those up, you know? And so I think he's a significant 
significant piece of, of my upbringing and who I was and who I am today, you know? So. Wow. And how about your adult life? Man, it'd have to be more exciting, yeah. you know, like, <clears throat> like, uh, like, so for Chris Moix is, uh, what we would call my spiritual parent. Um, um, he's the guy who, uh, took the time to lay his life down to teach me really what it looked like to be a disciple of Christ, to be a learner of mm-hmm. the word and to be taught by the Lord. Um, he came alongside of me in a time when, um, even my wife will tell you, like the story's been out there, um, over and over, like she was, she was going to leave me after Christmas in 2016. Moix came in in part, first part of 17. And, uh, and then I started walking with him in a discipling relationship in March of 17. So like he came alongside me in a time when nobody else was going to, like I was at, I was at the low and, uh, it, it, it changed everything. And so he's super dear to me now. Um, I love him to death. Um, it's, it's fun to get the now and be in a different space of a little more maturity and to walk alongside of him and get to do stuff with him. But, uh, but man, him and him and Rachel, like they really, um, that when we talk about like saying it and then walking it out with our feet, right? Like they, their words and their feet aligned when he said like, I'm going to lay my life down for you. Like he did it. And on the days when things were horrible and I'm in his room in his living room balling, you know, or like freaking out about this or that, like he did that. And so he came alongside of me, you know, in the beginning of 17. And then just a few months later, my dad passes away. And so Mm -hmm. like I'm in discipling, we would say we were in the honeymoon phase, me and Moiks, right? Like we, we were building relationships still. Like we hadn't really, but yet, there was all this um, heaviness in my life and the Lord knew exactly what he was doing. Cause he brought this guy up alongside me just to prop me up in that time, you know? And so I would say that like he, without a doubt, like he's the most significant one. Mm, so that's awesome. It's good stuff. Yeah. I, I love Chris. I'm hoping to have him on the podcast as yeah. well. So, um, all right. So last question and it's not really a question; It's an opportunity. Um, you can say anything you want right now. And for those who are listening, what would you say to them? What would be your message to them? Hmm. And I like, so I think that, I think if you hear anything out of like the story, like you, you should hear that there's um, like, we talk about a pendulum swinging from 180 degrees one way to the other. Like you should hear that there's, there's two different stories here. There's a story before Jesus, um, of, of things that, that weren't, um, um, that didn't bring life and peace. And then there's this story after Jesus that, um, that, that walks in life and peace. And, um, and the, the man that I was no longer exists. Um, and, uh, and I, and I would hope that like, if you don't know that transformation, like even if you've been in church forever, or you, you went to church and you left, or if you haven't ever really seeing the transformation that comes from the Lord, like I would hope that you would cry out to him. Um, like, like Psalms 40 says, like cry out to him and he'll hear you. Like mm. I cried out and he heard me. And so like that, w- that would be my hope is that like, if they haven't ever tasted the goodness of Jesus, they haven't ever seen the transformation power of him, like cry out to him. Um, that'd be my hope. Awesome. And uh, for those who want to meet you in person, they can do that often at Can Help, right? Yes, at Can Help Wellness. Throw that uh, address out there. It's 2150 South Douglas Boulevard in Midwest City, Oklahoma, Suite A. Um, I'm on on Douglas between 15th and 29th Street, um, right by Tinker Air Force Base. Yeah. So... It's awesome. Travis, yeah. thank you so much for being a part of today. It's good, man. It I appreciate good. you. We're going to have to have you back. Cool. Um, uh, for those of you guys, man, if you, if you were enjoying this podcast and you, one of the best things you can do to help us, uh, spread the light is, uh, is subscribe to the podcast. You can do that through, uh, uh, all the major things, Apple podcasts. You can do it through iHeartRadio, Spotify. And, uh, as we close out, you'll hear that message probably again. Um, also if you uh, feel led to support what we're doing here, you can go to, uh, streamgrace.com slash support to do that. And, um, yeah, thank you guys for joining us today. And, uh, also be checking out, be, be waiting. And, uh, we're going to be launching some other podcasts here in the future and traffic's going to be on those too. Uh, we've got some great times ahead of us. Thank you again for listening and uh, we'll see you next time.
For more episodes, subscribe and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Just like